Club 400 podcast is mm-hmm. on the air. I'd like to introduce our first two guests in our mix-up Q&A tonight. One, two, one, two. We have, is it on? Okay, we have Gary Matthews Sr., nicknamed the Sarge, who's a former left fielder, played Major League Baseball from 1972 to 1987 for the San Francisco Giants, Atlanta Braves, the Philadelphia Phillies, the only team we care about, the Chicago Cubs, and the Seattle Mariners. After his playing days, Matthews was a color commentator for Phillies broadcasts. He batted and threw right-handed, and he is the father of former big league outfielder Gary Matthews Jr. Ladies and gentlemen, the Sarge, Gary Matthews. Thanks, guys. And the <laughs> and the gentleman to the other side of me, Ferguson Arthur Fergie Jenkins, played Major League Baseball for the Philadelphia Phillies, the Chicago Cubs, Texas Rangers, and Boston Red Sox. His career went from 1965 to 1983. He played the majority of his career for the Cubs. Was the National League and Cubs All-Star for three seasons. And in 1971, he was the first Canadian and Cubs pitcher to win the Cy Young Award. He was a 20-game winner for seven seasons, including six consecutive seasons for the Cubs. He was a National League leader in wins in 1971 <laughs> and the American League leader in wins in 1974. This super impressive because we'll never see this again. He was also the National League leader in complete games in 1967, 70, 71, and 74 in, for, in the American League. He led the National League in strikeouts in 1961 and had over 3,000 strikeouts during his career. Jenkins also played basketball in the offseason for the Harlem Globetrotters from 1967 to 1969 and pitched two seasons in Canada for the minor league London Majors following his major league career in 1991. Jenkins became the first Canadian inducted into the National Baseball Hall of Fame. All right, we've got the 1969 Cubs and the 1984 Cubs. Which team choked the worst? <laughs> Let's just get it over with. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, I, uh, my good friend Ron Santo, we would have this conversation all the time. And I, I, I told him, I said, you know what? We, we choked on the same porterhouse that you had. Uh, you know, it, it, really, really bittersweet. When you go through that many games and uh, you know that or you feel that you're the better team, uh, it, it really is really bittersweet. And uh, personally, and I've said it over and over and over, that I really wish uh, Steve Trout had been able to pitch one of those games here. Sounds like we got a lot of Jim Fry fans back there. I don't know. But uh, anyway, um, 
that's a season I thought we should have gotten to the World Series. Um, we got beat by the better team. I think we would have uh, given a better showing with uh, Detroit. Uh, but the fact is, it is what it is. And, uh, oh, look who's here. We've been looking for him for about 15 <laughs> minutes. Don't know where he was. I'll get you. I'll get you. But uh, I don't know. I think we choked equally, but they have more Hall of Famers on their team, so I don't know. What do you think, Fergie? Well, the biggest thing, if Randy Honey would have put the right signs down, those catches. things would have been different. Oh, my. And my buddy right here, Randy Honey. <laughs> Hello. You notice how much attention I pay to the blooming pictures? You're talking about driving you nuts. Randy, you didn't have enough you know, fingers. I had enough. You just couldn't count them. Go ahead, go ahead, Randy. What do you want me to talk about? You want me to talk about those dumb pitches you threw? The 69, the 69 Cubs. <laughs> We're talking about the 69 Cubs versus the 84 Cubs. Which team choked worse? <laughs> Wasn't my question. What the crap question is that? Who wrote that blooming question? That was Big Jimmy saying earlier. I don't think either one of them is. You win or you don't win. That's just the way it goes. Right, Fergie? Yeah, that's Did for I? sure. Yeah. Oh, all right. It, it, well, you know, over the course of nine innings, you can make a few mistakes, but if you don't score enough runs, you're not going to win. That's right. You want to... You lot you won a lot of one to nothing ball games. Two to one, three to two. Hey, all I hey, know is Where we, have you been, boy? Wait, what what oh, you ahead. doing here so late? I beat you here. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, you ought to be sorry. I beat you here. I've been <laughs> delighting the people out here, Randy. Yeah. <laughs> well it's about time you did something. Well, you know, I found my niche. Okay. <laughs> All right, we got a bunch of people that wrote in some questions. What do you guys think about the way the game was played when you were playing, both in 69 and 84, and the way the game's played today? And they gave an example. Fergie, in his Cy Young year, had 42 games started, 23 complete games, seven shutouts, 311 innings pitched, with a 21 and 15 and the 3.21 ERA. We're never going to see numbers like that again. Ever. What do you guys think about the way the game's played today and how it's changed? Well, I think it stinks the way they play it now. <laughs> you know, Fergie hit, what, 13 home runs? That's what kept him in the game so long because he was a pretty good hitter. Leo didn't want to take him out of the lineup. But 
when you think about what this man did and how many games he pitched and how many games he completed, it's amazing, isn't it, sir? Yeah, it, it, uh, it really is. And I think um, most of us would agree that uh, the players today are really stronger um, debatable for me whether or not they throw um, harder um, for sure they got all the tools uh, and the players I'd like to uh, think of that play when we played have the toolbox because the, the guys that play today other than a few repeat the same mistakes over and over and over uh, there are certain players that you have on the Cubs that certainly could play in any era. Uh, Rizzo, for one, uh, I think is a guy that could play in in any era just because of the way that his uh, uh, tenacity is and the way he goes about the game. But I, for one, think it is a little bit easier to play uh, just because of uh, the talent. And just because of the teams that are out there before, when they were playing, there wasn't a whole lot of teams. Now, there's a lot more teams, and I think for me the talent is so diluted that it makes it where it's only maybe four to six teams that you know that are going to really compete on a daily, daily basis. You know, when you, when you look at the, the, the Cubs... Today, there's about seven or eight guys who could probably play in the 60s, 70s, and 80s because of the talent uh, situation. You know, weights don't mean anything. Weights are just something that's in a clubhouse. You can lift them if you want, but if you don't need to be stronger, that five-ounce ball is all you need to do is throw that. <laughs> but to me, it's, to me, it's wound considerably tighter. And the ball goes a lot further. Uh, I, I just think that they're going to break a lot of records again with home runs being hit because the ball is so compressed. Uh, when we played, there was only two bat companies, Adirondack and, and Louisville. And there's a lot of bat, con- bat contracts and the, the people that make them, the maple bat, regardless of, of the product. I just think that it's the baseball that makes or makes ball clubs because a lot of runs scored, uh, a lot of home runs hit, a lot of extra base hits. Uh, Walks are something that, to me, shouldn't be part of what a pitcher's trying to accomplish because it's almost like giving up another base hit. When you give up five hits and you walk five, you got ten base runners. I mean, and you're pitching from the stretch. So you're putting pressure on yourself and on the ball club because you want a ball hit on the ground. If you don't hit on the ground, hit the ball in the extra. If the ball's hit in the gaps, that's a run scored. So I just think that you got to cut down on walks, which is very, very important, and give up less hits. You know, I just thought about it here a minute ago when we're talking about the fact. If you guys could keep it down back there, we'd be appreciated. Thank you. Talking about the fact when I came into the big leagues 
there were only 16 ball clubs. Right. And I want to tell you something. You're talking about competitive. There, look at all, look at the home run records that were set, and there were only 16 ball clubs playing at the time. And, man, I, 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 I'm getting chills thinking about uh, being able to play during that period of time because there was, you know, you had all good ball players just on 16 clubs, and now you have 30 clubs, and it, it really makes a big difference uh, in what's going on with, with Major League Baseball. Yeah, like you say, Randy, every ball club had five or six really, really good ball players that hit 280 plus. You take Pittsburgh, San Francisco, Philadelphia, Cincinnati. They're starting five in that lineup were guys that were productive that either were on base percentage really high with a high batting average or had an RBI situation where they were one or, one or two or three or four in RBI leaders. And the game was just totally different then, like you say. You know, they're bigger and they're stronger, but they're not faster. And they didn't. They don't hang out with each other as much or as 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 we did, and for good reason in some ways. I think we got to pal around a lot with you guys off the field more so than the players can today, and for for good reason. There's a lot of risk, and I understand there's a lot of reasons why. You know, they can't really do or live the way we were able to live uh, during our eras. And and Randy's right. When he mentions that, that when the league was smaller, when there were less opportunities, it was much harder. Gary, I've heard Sarge talk about guys in the minor leagues. They were hitting 300 all the time. But that just wasn't enough. You know, you had to drive in a whole lot of runs, hit home runs, or maybe steal 70 or 80 bases in the minor leagues just to get a look in the major leagues. Now, Today, it's, I think it's just a little different, and I don't resist change. I like watching these young guys play. Albert Almora is one of my favorite players. I'm a Baez guy. I love the energy. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm not real, you know, overly critical on them, but I wish they'd quit punching out so much, Sarge. I think, I think one of the things, you know, Hey, again, if everybody could be quiet, if you want to carry on a conversation, go outside the tent, please. There used to be a time for me when an ERA showed the league something. It showed your teammates something. If you were in the twos or low threes, that meant something. You got guys six and seven ERAs, and they're making $18 million a year. You got guys that hitting 223 and still playing at the big league level. When I came along and I was... Wait a minute. Bit, What's wrong with 223? Is that, <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just remember in, in, when I came along, if you couldn't command your strike zone and, and hit a decent average, at least 275, you didn't get to the big leagues and we only had 24 ball clubs. And so it's a difference now. We got players in our organization, the Phillies, where we have a 10-man rotation. The pitchers piggyback off each other. And I never would have thought I'd seen a six-man rotation. I think that's where it's headed in the big leagues. Because they're cutting guys down on pitch counts. You know, Fergie pitched 300 and some innings. 
I looked at Cy Young's numbers one year, and I'm telling you, it, it gave me hives. 400 innings pitched, 33 wins. You don't see that in today's game. It's changed. And you got more clubs, which means you should be able to do more, in my opinion. But the game has changed, ladies and gentlemen. Analytics is here. Research and development is here. I thought I was going to work for Pfizer one morning. So it's changed. And for an individual that's still attached to the game, I got to learn how to change because baseball taught me adjustments. Pitchers don't pitch inside no more. I had a young man today came to me and said, I'm a right-handed pitcher. What do I need to do? Command your fastball and use both sides of the plate. Simplify it. And there are some guys, like these guys were saying a few minutes ago, that could, play, could have played in our era. But there are a lot of pitchers in the big leagues that cannot command their fastball. All they're concerned about is how hard you throw. And I want to say this to all the parents, grandparents, that have sons out there that are playing the game of baseball. Please don't go buy a radar gun. Please do not buy a radar gun. It's not about velocity. It's about commanding your fastball. I got to the big leagues on one pitch in 1973 because I could locate my fastball. I had no slider, no changeup. And Fergie I want to tell you something. I caught some long ball games with him pitching too. <laughs> it, 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 is he smiling? Is he okay over there? I don't want to look at him because I know what I'm. No, I'm. A, I'm a, yeah, I got to tell you guys something, you know, and, th and this goes way back. Randy's from West Virginia. Okay? No, I'm not. I'm from Virginia. Well, Dad, excuse me. I put a W on it. Now, kiss my hillbilly fan. I'm man. from Oklahoma, right? See, this brother done made me stand up, so I got to tell you something. Whenever he would come to the mound. He had the audacity to call me boy. And that I wasn't said, with a little B. That was a big B because he would tell me that. He sometimes said, well, I'd call you Roy. No, it wasn't no Roy. It was boy. I know. I got good ears. So he come out to the mound, Sarge, and come and tell me, look here, boy. I want this. Yeah, he said it. He know it. He come out to the mound. Yeah, look me I did in the say eye. It. Yeah, he said it. Come out to the mound, look me in the eye, Fergie, and tell me, look here, boy. Throw strikes. <laughs> I want this cotton-picking sucker on the ground. You hear me, boy? <laughs> Randy, my veins, sorry, my veins will just start. I'm telling you, I try to throw the ball through his cotton-picking sock. <laughs> but I, I have to. I could have caught to... him barehanded, too. <laughs> Well, I never saw you take that glove off. <laughs> but I will tell you one thing, and I really appreciate that about Randy. Randy knew how to get me pissed off. Excuse yeah. my French. He knew how to take me to another level emotionally to where I would attack and attack. And I thank you for that, Randy. Thank you. It was fun. You're talking about... You're talking about saying, calling him boy. 
You know, we could do that back then. You can't do that anymore. And and we had fun with it. We just, uh, he, he'd call me boy too with a little B. Every day they let me know I'm a little B. Look, boy. But we can't do that anymore. Hey, one more time, guys. We have five great cubs up here and we need to keep the noise down we can barely hear up here so if you want to talk go out in the backyard otherwise i'm sending the sarge after you guys real quick too if you guys have not gotten your picture taken it is last call for pictures so go jump in line last call all right, so we have uh, we have people here representing the 1969 Cubs, which was 50 years ago. The 1984 Cubs, Wait which is 25 Dad, years ago. You don't have to tell them it's 50 years ago. What the crap? And the Ray Burris Dad, era. Bummer. What do you guys? Are you guys surprised at all that these two teams are still talked about as two of the greatest teams of of the history of the Cubs, and people are talking about it and writing new books and stuff as if it was yesterday? Is that surprising at all to anybody? No. I know not the fans, but I mean... No, no, it's not. I mean, but when we were, we were playing in 84, I remember thinking 1969. Wow. I was 12. And... and hey, how, who gives a flip? I know. I, know. And I don't I used give to, a flip. And, then, and, hey, and they would say, but 1945, the Cubs went to the World Series. And that was 39 years earlier, and that seemed like way long ago, right? We're talking World War II. Fergie. And so I remember that, that right being a big note. Yet. That was a note of interest. Now, now today, we're 50 and 35 years ago, and that's how Zoe looks at us, right? Yeah. And so that's the beauty of the game, right, Granddad? And, and so that's the whole Cub experience, whether you're a Fergie guy a rhino guy or a Rizzo guy. It doesn't matter. You're a guy. Okay? You got that. I had Campy Campanaris when I was 10. He was my guy. I don't know who these guys had, if they had a guy. You have a guy, Rebel? No. Yeah. You got a guy? Yeah. Willie Mays. Bob Gibson. How about you, Sarge? I didn't like anybody. <laughs> Fergie, anybody you looked up to? Well, you know, I, I, being a Canadian, I live really close to Detroit. Keyline was kind of the number one player with the Tigers. Excellent. Good old Al Kaline. I mean, he's, the guy's still kicking, too. He's like 80-some years old. and A lot of respect there, Al Kaline. So what did... You what know did, what? Oh, Excuse God. me one yeah. sec. I want to tell you guys something right now. You know, all of us, that bummit... Before long, you're going to be 76 years old. It is, it, it, is, it is frightening to think how 
stinking old I am. And I don't like it. Fergie, you're 76, too. 76, yeah, right, okay. Kiss my hillbilly face. Part of life, that's what it's all about. Just keep on kicking, that's it. Well. He looks like he's about 36, though. Well, I know it, and it's aggravating. (laughs) You know, all you blooming black guys look younger than you really are. Kiss my hillbilly fanny. Is it is it a is it a brother thing? Is it is it a brother thing? I don't lay in the blooming sun. You know what? You kiss my hillbilly fanny too. I don't even know where to go with the next question after that. We'll, we'll see if there's anybody out there that has a question. Maybe Crawley? Just wondering for all you guys, where were you at and how did you react when the Cubs won the World Series in 2016? Well, I was laying in the bed watching the game, just kicking back. Legs spread apart, my arms hanging out. I'm not lying, and all by myself, too. Which aggravated me. I happened to be in uh, New York. I had just gone to see a play uh, called Kinky Boots. And then I went back to this bar... And it was nothing but Cub fans, so I ended up signing autographs for about a couple hours. Uh, and we ended up winning it, but I didn't pay for a drink the whole night. Thank you, Cub fans. I was in Arizona watching television and just wishing the Cubs would get a rally going to win that ball game, which they did. And when they came back out in the, uh, after the rain delay... Hey, that's shocking. Sarge was in a bar, huh? So, I was in Cleveland. I was on the field. I got to do some pre and post game with Lou Canellis, Fox 32. And uh, that, that Sandberg guy was there with David Kaplan and doing the Comcast stuff. So, we walked out of the stadium at 2 in the morning, uh, smelling different. Uh, yeah, it was a fun night, man. We'll always remember it, no doubt. I was in uh, Clearwater watching it from my home, uh, and I will be honest with you, I did get emotional uh, because there were some lean years in the years that I played in the 70s, and I came along when the, the organization dismantled the 69 club, and I had watched those guys in college, and here I was playing alongside of them, so it was emotional for me. In more ways than one. And it was touch and go after they were down three to one and kept chipping away. So it it was, I I think to me, and I'm a firm believer of this, things happen for a reason. I really believe that. But here was the summation of that whole World Series for me. The lady that was 108 years old passed away after they won the World Series. There's a reason why things happen. 
108 108 years since they won the World Series, and she was 108 and got to see the Cubs win the World Series. That's touching. Anybody out there, is this your first time at Club 400 by chance? Pretty, uh, Pretty cool place in the basement and all of that. A lot of great memorabilia and stuff like that. Somebody wanted to know... What is the best piece of memorabilia that each of you have or have kept over the years? Mine is, uh, I was a cowboy fan growing up. I used to love Gene Autry. 1992, no, 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 not a Cowboys, Dallas Cowboys. (laughs) Country and Western. So my my best piece of, of autograph was getting Gene Autry to sign a baseball. Wow. Boy, I don't know. I've, I've, I have so many items, but I don't have a lot of items. But I, I'd say the most valuable to me are the ones I've, I uh, got directly from teammates, whatever they were, uh, you know, directly to me, whether it was from Mike Schmidt or Sarge or Rhino or any number of guys. But... I've got a Fergie Jenkins ball on my mantle. Well, I got inducted in the Hall of Fame in 91. And uh, how many people here act like a kid when they're a lot older? I'm 40. I'm, I'm 40. I was 46 at the time. Got inducted in the Hall of Fame and in Cooperstown. And in the room when you get inducted, they have past Hall of Famers. Uh, present. Ted Williams and Joe DiMaggio were in the room. And I was like a little kid. I had to find a baseball, get an autograph. And I got him to autograph a ball. uh, DiMaggio wouldn't sign a single ball. So I got both of them on one ball, Williams and DiMaggio. And believe me, I I still have it uh, in my Hall of Fame. Well, I can't beat that. Let's see here. Well, I got um, Mays and McCovey's uh, jerseys. Back in the day in the minor leagues, what they used to do was pass down all the jerseys from the major leagues all the way down to the minor leagues. So we would get Major League Baseball uniforms. And uh, they were those hot ones. How did you guys play and that cotton stuff. The flannel, those flannel uniforms? The flannel, hot. Just, just played. <laughs> Regardless of it being hot, you just went out and played. So I have a, a couple of, I got a Willie Mays, Willie McCovey. I have a couple of uh, Ted Williams baseballs. Um, I have one Mickey Mantle. And... <laughs> I got a, uh, a Joe DiMaggio only because um, the lady that I had to ask Joe was handling my um, uh, divorce case, and her name was Debbie DiMaggio. Is that her on the phone? She's yeah. calling right now. <laughs> Line one. Mr. Coffee. <laughs> got to call you back. I'm doing a podcast but anyway um, I've actually uh, I've, I've given all of those uh, to my uh, to my son junior 
And, and let me just tell you, my Pride Pride collection that I have collected are my... Um, back in the day, we used to have what you call albums or LPs or 45s. I got so much stuff until, I mean, I go back to, I don't know, the cars. I go back to Manhattan from... Marvin Gaye. I mean, I got every album. And then the, I had some that I hadn't even opened. I couldn't even imagine that. So I had crates and crates of them, uh, of albums that I have. And I think really, even over the balls and so on, I got some Andy Mayberry stuff. I mean, I'm all over the map. Um, John Glenn, I got stuff signed by him uh, as well. But... Um, my LPs, my albums, and I even thought back then to get the needles because I knew they weren't going to be making them. So I picked up me, well, I picked up 10. They were going to charge me a little bit more if I didn't pick up 10 as opposed to 8. So I got the 10 where I can still hear those albums. Although you hear a little <laughs> every now and then <laughs> if you got good speakers. But you can, you can really get the album. <laughs> Aren't you sorry you asked this question? No, not at all. <laughs> well, I, I, I think the, uh, I have two Mickey Mantle jerseys that I had invited him to a fantasy camp. And uh, this is how smart I was when I was doing camps and I was doing different teams. Mickey says to me, why don't you take half of the money you're paying me and give it to Whitey Ford and, and bring him into the camp? Well, the next year, they had a Mickey Mantle Whitey Ford camp. <laughs> and I never saw the Yankees after that. <laughs> but, 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 you know, I, I don't give a flip. <laughs> but I, I, I do have two Mickey Mantle jerseys that I'm very proud of. And, and that's what I cherish. You have a Fergie? Yes, I do have a. I, as, a I, as a matter of fact, you just reminded me. I do have a couple of Fergie Jenkins jerseys too. I, I know, and I'm sorry I didn't let you know. I had these jerseys hanging up in my bathroom. <laughs> is, that, is that is that in the shit house? <laughs> Well, I, I call it my poop house. <laughs> Again, not sure where to go from there. A any uh, any other any questions? We have time for a few more from from the group here. Anybody have one? Uh, what's your guys' favorite food? This should be interesting. <laughs> Favorite food? Uh, 
Mine's a little bit different. My mom and dad are from Mobile, Alabama. I've learned how to cook at an early age. Uh, my favorite meal is gumbo, without a doubt. Okay? And my second, without a doubt, is fried chicken. Okay? What do you like, goulash? You know what I like? I, I like chocolate pudding with graham crackers in it. That is... I could pig on that, pig out on that for a blooming month. Yeah, I'm serious, and, and, and I'm a number two diabetic now because of that poop. <laughs> Aggravates the daylights out of me, and I can't eat the stuff anymore. I'm going to eat some pretty soon, though, I'll tell you that. Being a, being a Canadian, Canadian bacon, which they don't, they don't have it here in the U.S., in Canada, they call it pea meal. It's back bacon. I could eat I could eat baked pea meal bacon all day long. Wow! What do you call with it? scrambled eggs? What, what what kind of bacon? It's you pea meal. Pea meal bacon. It's pea, it's pea the meal. back strap huh? of the pork. It's the fanny. I I'm a blooming backstrap boy. I ought to know that stuff. <laughs> Well, I'm a Kansas City guy, so I, but I like breakfast, and I, I like Sarge. I like to cook at home, too, so uh, my favorite is, is a big, sweaty breakfast with biscuits and gravy and, man, and the potatoes and all that. But because I'm a KC guy, I'm also a barbecue guy. So. Well, I, I had to change my diet after I hit 65. I'm 68. You look good. Thank you, brother. <laughs> Randy thinks so, too. Um, <laughs> I've, I've had to change my diet uh, for many reasons. Uh, they diagnosed me as diabetic at one time. The next time I went and had a physical, I wasn't diabetic. They said my cholesterol was too high. The next time I went, it wasn't too high. So I didn't know what the heck I was doing. <laughs> So I said, okay. They wanted to put me on some more pills. I said, I'm not taking no pills. You tell me what my options are, and I'll make my adjustments. So they said, well, you got to eat better. So now I have cut out the fried chicken. I will have some fat every now and then, and anytime time they have bacon, I'm coming at the bacon. Canadian, U.S., it don't matter. Canadian bacon. Meow, whatever you call it. So in the country, we say moo-yow. Uh, but I eat a lot of oatmeal, fruits, vegetables. I have cut out chicken. I have cut out beef. I will eat seafood. Hey, and it, we don't care about all that. Hey, yeah, this is. Hey, Virginia, woke up over there. Hey, Virginia, did you wake up over there? Yeah, I've been listening to this poop for the last five minutes. We don't. You name ten blooming things you cut out. But you know out. what? We can't help it because you only want, you can't eat your favorite dessert. The man asked you about an entree. Pudding. pudding. You want some pudding. You can't eat your pudding because you're freaking diabetic. I tell you what, that's an entree. Chocolate pudding with graham crackers in it. It's an a entree. blooming entree. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm sorry, brother. I stand to be corrected. But that's my cuisine. Thank you very much. No more Mexican food. This is going to make for a great no, podcast. No any, more Mexican Any food. other questions out there? Oh, we got another one over here. Who's your guy's favorite current Cubs player? Finally a good question. Hey, I, I, got a, I got a question for you. Who on the team they call Flash? Flash. Javi. Javi Baez, right. They don't, you're no longer a hot dog. You're just called Flash. And he is Flash. <laughs> Anyone else? Mine is uh, Rizzo. Well, I already gave mine away. I'm an Almora guy. It kind of makes sense. Sarge is looking up the roster right now. See, I can see it. He's making that call back is what you're doing. I, I see you, Sarge, that bummer. Uh, it's simple for me. Um, my favorite player on the team, and if you didn't have him, you wouldn't win. He's at first base. They call him Rizzo. Well, my favorite player, I, I had the opportunity to go to Philadelphia I don't know, four or five years ago, and draft. You can't remember back that far. <laughs> <laughs> you can't remember back that far. Hey, that's what's bothering me. I can't remember. What you need to do is give the year out and one of the players uh, you know. They'll know what the number one draft choice was. Baez, when I drafted Baez about four or five years ago, he has become my favorite player. And I want to tell you something. I don't know what we'd be doing without him at this particular point in time. Who? No, I'm just kidding. Zobrist is, is a wonderful player. I know he's here. I don't... I, how in the world could I rip him? I'm paying him a... Oh, bull, I don't think like I used to think. But he is a wonderful player, and I'm happy that the Chicago Cubs have him because I never played with anybody that played all over the field like he does at any time at any time of the night too alright we have time for one more question who's got it right over there What is your favorite color? Oh, good 
Pink. Mine is blue. Randy's Randy's is pink. Go again, Randy. Mine is blue. Oh, it is pink. Isn't this pink? Is this red? I'm colorblind. eh? Salmon. All right, salmon. Favorite color? Yes. Gee, what? I know your favorite color is black. But I got a black coat on, black boots. But, you know, when I played, I, th- I thought it was green. Because I had a green Cadillac one time. <laughs> I had a green Eldorado. <laughs> it, it was a chick magnet. <laughs> You didn't need a you didn't need a blooming chick magnet. Well, I was single at the time. I, it was a chick magnet. I don't, let me tell you. Nah, I can't talk. I can't talk about it. Quiet down back there. We gotta hear Randy. He was a blooming chick magnet, and I kept saying, "Why is he such a blooming chick magnet?" But he had them all over. I, no, I can't say. Keep it on the low, on the low, on the low, Randy. Keep it on the low now. Come on. All right, I appreciate that. Thanks. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. We have. Oh, I didn't. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, well, I, I got to go with blue, no doubt. What Mine is blue. <laughs> Call me blue. Call me blue. Oh, there he is. Oh, look at this timing. Hey, man. We have... I was going to say five, but six right. of the best guests we've okay. had at Club 400 all time. Ray Burris, Bob Dernier, Fergie, Gary, and Bloomin' Randy Hunley. 